Welcome to The Wonder Podcast with Chrissy Dunham and Lisa Clark. Chrissy is a woman's minister, speaker, and always the life of the party. Lisa is an author, Bible teacher, and likes to laugh with Chrissy. They've teamed up to give you hope, encouragement, and hopefully a laugh or two. Now grab a cup of coffee, pull up your favorite chair, and enjoy this episode of The Wonder Podcast. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. My name is Christy Dunham, and I am here with my co-host, best friend, ministry partner, ladies and gentlemen, the Lisa Clark. Wow. I am floored by that introduction, but hey, bring it on. Let's do this. You know, I'm just trying to change it up a little bit, Lisa. I just... Yeah, I just did a talk with some moms on encouragement and having that encourager, that cheerleader person in your life. So I would definitely consider you that for me. So thank you for the encouragement today. I am delighted to be that in your life. We've made it through the Texas snowstorm of 2021. And Lisa and I had no heat. We did not have heat or anything for two days. And I don't have a gas cooktop. So We ate cheese and crackers, sat around in our coats and hats and gloves in front of the fireplace. It was very romantic. Let me ask you a question about that. Was your fireplace a gas fireplace or real, real fireplace? Gas. Okay. So your gas fireplace was working because that's what Brad was asking me. He's like, they certainly went over to someone's house, right? But you didn't? You stayed home? No, we gutted it out. Our house got down to 55 and we did it. Now, in between that time, I was running back and forth to the airport because I was supposed to be speaking in Alabama, which that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But anyway, we survived. We did it. We are now sunny and in the upper 60s. It's crazy to live in Texas, but it's a good, good place. And our guest that we have today, I met in Texas. She was actually on staff with me at Prestonwood, fell in love with her, knew she wouldn't stick around long because the Lord had a big assignment and her name is Natalie Harrington. And when I knew her, her, she is Natalie Stevens, but she has since got married and has a little girl and I'll let her introduce herself a little more. Listeners, you are in for a treat because this lady is dynamite for the Lord. She is working hard for the kingdom and uh, you're going to have an opportunity to partner with her at the end of our podcast because she's doing amazing things. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast, Natalie Stevens Harrington. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. It's really an honor. I've always admired both of you and followed your ministries as well. So it's just exciting to cross paths again. Um, Natalie, so you aren't in Dallas anymore. Where are you living now? Tell us a little bit about, give us a life update. Okay. Well, my husband and I, we've been married almost six years and we have moved around a lot. And like Chrissy said, it's just been with our calling and trying to navigate how and where and what and how God's going to play that out in our lives. And so I did spend a season at Prestonwood after I went to SMU. I stuck around the Dallas area and loved my time in ministry there. And I really believe that's where God grew my leadership skills. And after that, he sent me out to the Philippines 
where I served as a missionary for several years and really never stopped. I am not currently living overseas, but I'm still doing work there. And my husband and I are actually in the process of moving back to Mississippi, where we're from. And that is where we will be continuing to serve in our nonprofit and in a local church and just continuing to see how God uh, wants to write the story. I love that. And I knew when I met you that the Lord had big plans because you did an amazing job at Prestonwood and our singles ministry, but you had a heart for the Philippines and you knew that the Lord had called you there and you knew that he had called you to do something very special. So tell us about your time in the Philippines and how that started, how that developed and what all happened from there. Well, it's actually super crazy because I never, growing up, I never would have thought I would live overseas. I didn't even know where the Philippines was. It was just kind of, you know, on the map, had no idea. And as God, very young, uh, placed on my heart a desire for adoption and orphan care, I knew that it was something from Him because I didn't grow up around anything like that in in a small town in Mississippi. And um, through that desire, after college and finally getting into ministry was when I really was able to to stop and ask God, okay, what does this desire mean? How do you, I don't even know what to do about it. Uh, I wasn't married at the time and super young. So it wasn't the time to adopt or anything like that. And so uh, what did, what did I do first? I went on a mission trip and that mission trip was supposed to be just that, just a couple of weeks overseas. And when I came back, I remember sitting my parents down and telling them, so I'm going back for three months. And they were just like, wait, what? You just graduated college. You have this degree. You had an internship in New York and you're going to walk away from all of that. And I knew it sounded crazy, but I'd never felt more like myself than when I went on that mission trip. And that's when God really began my journey of working with orphans and street kids and learning about what they've been through and and how I could offer some help because it's such a a huge problem around the world and even in the U.S. that we have got to step in and um, and be the hands and feet of Jesus to these children. And so that's kind of a short version of how I ended up overseas. So you spent three months there your second time. What types of things were you doing there on a daily basis? Because I know that sometimes we can see the needs, but it's hard to put into motion actually doing the work and what that's going to look like. And some people are big picture people and some people are the detail person. Who are you and what did the daily work look like there in the Philippines for three months? Yes. So when I first got started, those three months were a trial. It was the ministry I went with, the Bob Tebow Evangelistic Association allowed me to just go see and and honestly try it out to see if this was something that God was putting in my path. And so the daily tasks, I mean, I showed up the first day and just told the the leaders of the organization they were like, what are you, what do you want to do here? And I just said, I just want to help. And so it was really a lot of just what can I, where can I fill in uh, with needs? I even taught English at the local high school, which was just a super left field turn, but it allowed me to make relationships with locals outside of the orphanage and then playing games with the kids at the orphanage and leading Bible studies 
and really building relationships. And that's where I made a special bond with a girl named Brindy, who had no idea she would eventually become part of my family unofficially, but we, we like to say it's official. So she's now like a sister to me and um, actually who God used to show me what I feel like is an area of ministry that has been overlooked in a lot of ways and what I believe that God wanted to teach me. Um, and so after that three months, I kept going back. And then eventually when I was 23, I moved to the Philippines alone, still unmarried, was able to learn the language. Brindy moved in with me and we started a ministry together to continue working with vulnerable children. Wow. I cannot imagine being 23 and going to the Philippines, not knowing the language and really not knowing anyone, but just trusting God, just trusting him with everything you have. I know that you've written a book called The Forgotten Ones. And I believe this book was inspired uh, by your relationship with Brindy. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what she taught you and how she has impacted your life so much. Yes. So when Brindy graduated from an associate's degree, that's when she came to live with me. And I really thought we would just be like sisters, like roommates. But it wasn't long before I realized that there was a lot of emotional trauma in her life from becoming an orphan. And as I learned more and more about her story, it became evident that she had been abandoned uh, four times by the time she came to live with me. And I didn't realize, of course, that what, what the, the, the impact, I guess you would say, that emotional trauma or trauma in general can have in the long term. And as we're all learning more about um, mental health in the last few years, it's becoming more and more evident that that's an area that children overseas really need help in because they can't go get a counselor or a psychologist, or um, sometimes they don't have a pastor nearby. And so in mine and Brindy's relationship, you know, I began to realize that she needed me at that season to be more of a mother figure in her life. And I'm only seven years older than her, but in an emotional sense at that time, she was living as if she were, was 14 years old. And so she really needed someone to help and guide her through what she was struggling with. At first, I noticed that she was angry at God and, and she uh, was envious of all the people around her who had a normal family and grew up with a loving family. And hers was, in her mind, taken away from her. God took that from her. And so I had to walk with her. And honestly, it took about three years for us to really break through those barriers of trauma that had entangled her and held her captive. So it was through that just daily relationship with her that I really learned a lot about what she was dealing with. And I remember there were nights when we would go to bed and I didn't know if she would be there the next day. She was struggling that bad with what she had been through. And I just would cry out to God and just ask him, can you please take this away from her? Can you please remove this from her or open her eyes to see that I'm here? I love her. I, I'm not going to abandon her. And you love her, Jesus. And it was in those moments that I felt God say, she's going to be okay. I'm teaching you something. I'm showing both of you something that 
I want you to, to, to work in and, and, and really reveal to us. And so I just had to hold on and it was excruciating to watch her walk through that. But I just had to trust that God was going to use me in her life and, and show us what he wanted to show us. And so that's what the book is about is her journey and my journey and how we met and what God showed us. And that all kind of led into what we do now for children in that have been through traumatic experiences. So what you do now, is that the freedom camp? Yes. Okay. So I want to ask you about that, but before you talk about the freedom camp, I want to just, because most of our listeners aren't going to go to the Philippines. And so I I want to talk for just a moment and hear your opinion or your expertise on, because we've got orphans here in the United States as well. And we've got abandoned children here in the United States as well. And so for someone that is, has a heart for this, like you do, what's, what's the difference in doing something here versus doing something in the Philippines is, are there opportunities? That's a great question. And that is something that I had been working on after originally developing Freedom Camp is to make sure that it could be used in other countries as well. It is written in English. It's very, very, very simple curriculum so that it can be done in a third world country where there are limited supplies and then also in a place like America. And so I, um, we've already done a few of them in the U.S. We've done more overseas, but I wanted to make sure that it was something that could be done everywhere. And, you know, it's so funny. There are times when I would feel like, oh, this is only for young kids overseas. And then God would put me in a situation with older kids in a juvenile detention center and use the same curriculum and see the same result. And so it's definitely something that people can use anywhere they would like. That's wonderful. Well, tell us about it. What is Freedom Camp? So Freedom Camp is just the beginning. It is um, a way to kind of springboard the healing process. As we know, kids or anybody who's been through something difficult, it takes time to heal. And so Freedom Camp is not, you know, something that is meant to help someone find healing in five days. It's a five-day camp that is supposed to help start the process of healing and meeting Jesus with what you've been through. Because that's one of the main things I noticed is these children don't, they have heard the gospel or many of them had, but they didn't truly understand it or internalize it. Because if you talk about a heavenly father who loves them and they may have been abused by a father, then you've already lost your audience. And so it's written in a way that it doesn't matter what the child has been through. It's very reflective to bring out in their own words, in their own way, what they've experienced. And it's not just a counseling session. It's fun. It's for, you know, ages seven and up, and it is five days long. The first day focuses on identity. And um, at that point, we are just talking about who the children say they are and who they think they are. And a lot of times you'll have some of the defining factors that they think in their lives will kind of surface in that day. The second day, we talk about baggage and teach them about the things that they're carrying through their life. And then the third day is the gospel. That's when we now show them, hey, you actually have a new identity and you don't need to carry this baggage that you've been carrying. And then the fourth day is discipleship, where we talk about 
leaning on one another and really walking through life together because they're in camp. So all the kids have been through something. And then the last day is the armor of God, where we really teach them how to fight the lies that the enemy will throw at them to try to remind them of what they thought about themselves day one. And so it's really a um, just a an all-inclusive way to jumpstart the process of healing for these children in meeting Jesus to find the true freedom that he has for them. That is unbelievable. And I love everything about it. And I know that this ministry is impacting so many children in the Philippines and the U.S. and the other places that you've done that. For some of our listeners and for me and for Lisa, what is, is there anything we can do on our side of the world or in our little community or our area of influence to help children like this? You know, how do you identify them? How would that work for some woman living in Dallas, Texas, or living in Seattle, Washington, where all our listeners, you know, are all over? What is something that we could do to help a child like this? And how would we even identify them? I think it's, it really starts with relationships. And so also being aware of a, of a child and, or any youth for that matter, you know, just being a friend to someone is step one and not assuming that if they came from a a family that seems to have it all together, not assuming that everything's perfect in their life. And then if there's a, a child that's been through a lot that you can see um, that they obviously have been through some hardships, just kind of almost looking up and looking around and trying to notice that there are people that need our relationships and our care and our love and just being a friend to them. And then you can easily realize, you know, some things that they may have been through. And so if you see someone or start learning of someone's story, a lot of times they just want to be heard. And then also, if you can, you know, connect them with a psychologist, Christian counselor, that's always a great option. But a lot of healing can come just from day-to-day friendships with normal people like you and me who just care about people. I have a degree in journalism. I don't have a degree in mental health. And there are many seasons that I've felt inadequate. You know, this is my biggest passion in life. And yet I don't have the degree for it. But God can work through me. And so I feel like for most of us, we don't need to limit ourselves or limit what God wants to do through us. We just push forward and follow him and love others. And then you'll find those ways and those people that really need someone to walk with them through life. That's a great word. And I was just thinking about that because when the Holy Spirit impresses you for something like he brought this passion into your life, Natalie... Sometimes we just get debilitated, like I can't make a difference, but you just step forward and you trust the Lord's call on your life. Chrissy, as you asked that question, I thought about Debbie Huey. Shout out to Debbie Huey, our friend who is a child advocate with CASA. There's there's organizations in place that enable you to get involved if you feel that calling on your life. And I think that's a that's a great one, but there's there's other ones as well. And, and Natalie's even going to tell us about some other opportunities here in a minute. But as I'm listening to you talk, Natalie, I just 
can't help but think your parents raised a world changer. That's what you are. And how, what did your parents do with you that caused you to be a world changer? Tell, give us some of that input as to how they sparked this in you and um, you've used it for the good. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's funny because I knew that people would want to hear their perspective on just everything. And so they actually have written a chapter each in my book ah. to where they share from their heart what it felt like and what it looked like and sounded like because we we don't have we didn't have like many at all missionaries that came from our small town. And so it was kind of this like it seemed like out of the blue, but I was definitely raised in a Christian home and and I had a great youth group and a church growing up that really loved me and allowed me to serve and to just grow in several different areas. And so I would say it's just a, a lot of different factors, but also just being willing to stop and look up and listen to what God has to say. In college, I had there was a defining moment where everything changed for me. I was on track to, you know, pursue my journalism to, uh, career and I for right before graduating ask the Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And it was kind of like, he's like, actually it's this. And so it was just like a complete, complete shift. And so I would say that my, my family and my upbringing helped prime me for that, but we were all just kind of like, what's going on. And so it was a, it was a big shift, but it was something that we just all had to walk through together, trusting that God had a plan and that it would all make sense one day. And it did become more and more clear as the years went on. I love that. And a lot of my story are those critical times that you just mentioned. First of all, just being raised in a Christian home that their my parents' lives were all about trusting God. And that's all we ever did uh, was church activities and vacationed with Christians. And that was just my world. That's all I knew. Yeah. And then there was a defining moment at youth camp for me, and then also in college. So for those of you listening that work with students, that work with college-age students, you need to know those are critical, critical yeah. years. And I cannot emphasize it yeah. enough because I have met so many world changers like Natalie, that there were defining moments in those two areas. I know the Lord softens our hearts during those times. So camps, mission trips, all those things, mama, make sure your kids go. Amen. Make sure yeah. they experience what churches have to offer and mission organizations and college campuses. And you have got to encourage them to do that. And maybe you should even go with them. Because this, that's what Natalie's parents did. That's what my parents did. That is, that is how we influence our kids to do what God has called them to do. And I love the path that Natalie is on and God just totally derailed her and said, oh, I have a plan for you. And because of the way she was raised and because of the Lord getting a hold of her during those critical times, she said, yes. So a couple of things you've written the book. The Forgotten Ones that talks about your relationship with Brindy and how your ministry started. You also wrote a children's book. Tell us a little bit about that children's book. 
Yes. Real quick, I wanted to let you know, Chrissy, that you uh, played a pivotal role in my life as well when I'm not sure that you remember this, but you told me a while back, you know, just imagine if you get to heaven and God says, oh, well done. And then he says, come into this room and let me show you what I had planned for you, what you could have done. And that has always stuck with Mm. me. To That's keep good. me centered on what God wants to do and not to be complacent to just being a, a, a Christian following Jesus. So thank you for that. I wanted to let you know. When it comes to the children's book, that is one of the tools that I made, and it's the first of a series of five. Those are supposed to help you um, kind of take the principles of Freedom Camp to your home to uh, a parent-child relationship. So not every child needs to go to camp. Not every child will go to this particular camp, but there are elements that you can teach your children in your own home. And so this book called L in the Eclipse is the first of those. And it just teaches a child that though we can't see God, he is there and he hears us and we can hear his voice. Love it. That sounds incredible. And I love it too. And I think you've just done some great work and I love that you're writing and we both like to write too. So write it down. I think that's an important part of life. So tell us as we close, Natalie, about the Something Club, because this is a new thing that you've developed, a ministry um, with Compassionate Hope Foundation. Is that right? Tell us what that does, what that's about and how we can get involved. Awesome. Well, Compassionate Hope is the organization that I am working through and we have over 800 children in our 47 children's homes in Southeast Asia. So we have a lot of kiddos and um, we are providing all their needs uh, through that. And the countries that we work in are Thailand, Laos, and the Philippines. And so we created, I know we're trying to implement trauma healing and discipleship and emotional healing into our homes And so we thought, well, let's think of, you know, a fun way to get people involved. So we developed the Something Club. And it really is about, you know, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And so that's kind of what we built that on. And that is to get all 800 plus of our children sponsored to be able to go through our program to get the trauma healing and discipleship that they need. And so It is $10 a month, and it's just an easy way to give up something, to give something each month to a child overseas that will um, truly benefit from learning more about the freedom of Christ. Wow. I love that. So what? how do we get the information? Do we go online to the Something Club and everything is there if someone would like to donate? Yes. Our website is compassionatehope.org forward slash something club, or you can just go to compassionatehope.org and you can find the link, you know, uh, we're on Facebook, we are on Instagram, you know, all of that is there. Um, and you can find all of these resources and the links on my personal webpage, nataliestevensherrington.com. No one can do everything. Everyone can do something. And that's yes. wonderful. And I totally agree with that. And that is the truth. Because if we get that, I got to do everything mindset, then we do nothing, don't we? Right. So you got to just understand you can do something $10 a month, 10 bucks a month, we can all do that. And that can go a very long way. Well, I don't think you mentioned that you have a 16 month old daughter named Heidi. Did you tell us about her? 
Yes, she is precious. She has been walking since 10 months and oh dear. therefore running <laughs> since probably 10 and a half months. So my life just feels crazy, but it's exciting and we cannot wait to introduce her to all of this work and uh, just see what God does through her life. So it's just a joy to uh, to raise her. I love that. And Natalie, you are the definition of a legacy. Your mom and dad did an amazing job and you are continuing uh, that legacy out of the great state of Mississippi. And a little Mississippi girl has (laughs) changed the world one person at a time. And it started with one relationship with Brindy. So what a great reminder of how important relationships are and forming those and getting to know people's stories. And We will continue to pray for you and your husband, raising a family and doing ministry. Uh, That is a whole lot. And uh, we will do that. And we'll encourage our listeners to give $10 a month can be a game changer, a life changer, and it could create a legacy uh, for that child. So we appreciate you being on the Wonder Podcast. You are uh, a sure delight. And I just love you so much. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Natalie. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate it. If you like what you heard and were encouraged, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because your recommendation for our podcast brings us great joy and it helps others find out about us. And if you are able to help support our podcast ministry, we would absolutely love that. You can go to chrissydunham.org and click the link to the party table. No donation is too small. We are so thankful for you. God bless.